Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time... You got to be your best self to perform in your daily job. You may not be an Olympic champion, but you have a lot that you have to give every minute of the day. And you want to have as much energy at the end of the day as you have during the day when you're working at your job. Sounds great. But taking care of yourself takes practice. Working out was like a luxury. It's not anything that brown, black women did in my neighborhood. No one talked about therapy. No one talked about getting massages. Coming up, two women, two different stories of how they came to put themselves first. And they don't feel guilty about it. My first guest is Lee Stringer. She lives in Washington, D.C. She's in her 40s, married with two children. And she works as a workplace strategist at an architecture firm. It's client-driven work, so lots of deadlines. Would you describe yourself as someone who got a lot of identity from your job? Oh, 100%. No, I would say that I'm a type A Northeasterner person, lots of degrees from lots of universities. I'm very into, or was, um, into title and position and uh, didn't always want to admit it, but it's kind of true. During the financial crisis of 2008-2009, business got tight and everyone who could clung to their jobs. When the employment market improved, a lot of her colleagues moved on at pretty much the same time. You know, I had to pick up the ball for for lots of folks doing four jobs for months on end and working 80, 90 hours a week, you know, uh, the drill. And um, and for after, you know, the third month or so, I just hit a wall and I was like, I, I cannot do this anymore. I used to pride myself in my ability to kind of hunker down and and just push through and and deal with it. But it clearly was not my best work. Now she was just exhausted. I could just feel my body not responding anymore and not able to rally in the way that it typically is and uh, wasn't exercising, forget that. She was eating takeout for every meal, getting home about 10 o'clock at night and drinking wine to wind down. She rarely saw her husband or kids or anyone outside work. Now, she'd been at this firm for some years, so she had some leeway. And after that project finally wrapped up, she went to her boss and said, I'm either going to take a sabbatical or I'm going to quit. You help me decide. He said, see you in three months. Lee says those three months changed her life. For one thing, she knew she never wanted to get so run down again. She walked a lot says she also spent some time just doing nothing, literally just staring at a wall. And of course, she spent time with her family. But she also began research on what became her second book, The Healthy Workplace. As part of her research, she visited the Human Performance Institute in Florida. 
It was originally set up to train the world's best athletes in how to attain peak performance by maintaining their energy over a long period of time. These days, it mostly focuses on applying those same techniques to busy executives, what it calls corporate athletes. Lee treated herself as if she were a CEO going to the Institute for a tune-up. They get you in there and they have you uh, beforehand take a test and have all your family members and your friends and other people write about how you're doing, how your energy levels are, if you have time for them, um, if you're eating well and taking care of yourself and sleeping and all those sorts of things. And then they play back the results when you're there. And um, they also take all kinds of blood draws and things like that to really check your nutrition. And the point is, is like, you know, you got to be your best self to perform in your daily job. You may not be an Olympic champion, but you have a lot that you have to give every minute of the day. And you want to have as much energy at the end of the day as you have during the day when you you're working at your job. But it took that. It took someone shaking me and it took a lot of my friends, family and colleagues writing me and literally saying she doesn't have energy. She doesn't have time for me, mommy, <laughs> kind of thing for me to turn around and say, oh, shoot, you know, this self-care thing is real. It's not it's not about being selfish. It's actually the most selfless thing that I can do. Before, she'd only exercise to lose weight. Now she sees exercise as something that helps her get through the day and still have energy at the end of it. If she can, she goes for a 20-minute run in the morning. But not everyone has that option. Before I spoke to Lee, I'd posted on the show's Facebook page. I'd said I wasn't even sure if I should cover this topic of self-care. I just didn't know that I could bring anything new to the discussion. It's so thoroughly covered in women's media all those articles urging us to juice and meditate and do yoga. But the listeners who responded said they would be interested if it felt real. And one woman said, you know, my feeling is that, that yes, this is covered a lot, but it's rarely covered in what she called the context of real life. And she said, you know, when I listen to people talk about how to start off their mornings right with this or that routine... I just, I roll my eyes because I have young children. My husband gets up at the crack of dawn. So I am solely responsible for the morning routine. And I just can't relate to these, the, these ideas. I mean, what, what do you say to somebody like that? Because it, it can be tough depending upon your, your schedule, especially perhaps if you're a single parent to, to care for yourself when you've got work to go to after getting everyone off to school. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's reality. And I, I think as women, we're particularly um, resistant to want to give ourselves even a minute break, you know, because we're, we're servant leaders, you know, we're so good at taking care of others. It's in our nature, um, a lot of us. And it's difficult to say, you know what, it's actually of more value for me right now, instead of racing off to do this conference call, or to race into work, to actually take a few minutes and go for a really short walk just around the block, or, you know, take my cup of coffee and just kind of mindfully sip it here in the coffee store and as opposed to racing off to the next thing. It really, uh, it's, it's a mindset and it's very difficult to break that. Um, particularly when there's so many things that we care about in the world and we want to want to spend our time, you know, doing better for others and improving other people's lives. But the truth is that, you know, those little breaks, those little mini whatever they are, and, you know, it's so different for everyone, you know, how, when, and where you're able to take those those mental breaks. But um, it really does help with focus and productivity, and all the science tells us that it is really 
better <laughs> to do that. Um, you are a better, more productive person when you're able to do that. So um, I guess, you know, if there's, if there's any, you know, cheerleading I can do, it's like, try it, you know, give it, give it a shot, um, squeeze it in where you can and be an experiment, actually experiment on yourself. A lot of people swear by meditation, including Lee. And I usually use a guided meditation through one of these apps, uh, one of the many that's available now, which is really great. It helps me kind of walk myself off a ledge. But she says any time you can take for yourself, preferably away from a screen, counts. The other thing I've started doing recently is, this is really old school, but reading a book that's a physical book. It is not a device. Um, and that is really good. Like I spent last weekend reading this fantastic book. It was actually fiction. I almost never read fiction. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. It's almost as good as meditating. But what about those times when you're really worked up about something in your work life or just your life? You know what you should do, according to the self-care gurus, chill out on a mat somewhere or get on your bike and let it all go. One woman who contributed to the discussion about self-care on Facebook said, you know, I know I know all this stuff in my head, but she said, my problem is letting go. And she said, I, you know, I get really angry about things. And then a yoga session or a getaway weekend becomes useless because I just can't let go of these negative feelings. Oh, yeah, I've definitely been subject to that. I remember distinctly having this awesome massage at some spa place and being angry about something that happened at work and someone who was trying to sabotage a project. And I was just, I I spent, you know, several hours getting rubbed down and it had zero effect on me. (laughs) It was pretty bad. At the end of it, I felt completely unrefreshed. And although I'd been in a beautiful place and, um, yeah. Yeah, Spending a lot of money on it, I'm sure. Yeah, this is a total waste and lots of fronts. So, yeah, I think, you know, one of the, my tricks lately has been to say, you know, are you in control of the situation? You know, um, is this something that you can do something about? And if you can't do something about it, let it go, (laughs) let it go, let it run, let it run its course. It is what it is. I think maybe that's part of being a mom. Maybe that's part of, you know, being a wife, I don't know, or, um, you know, or lots of other family and friends that just, you know, come in and change your life when you least expect it. I think it's um, definitely one of those things that you just have to have to kind of pull away from. I will say, you know, one thing personally that that happened to me, I can't remember we talked about this, but um, about a year after I'd written The Healthy Workplace and it was out and about, my husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he's about 49 and early Parkinson's. And so he's doing really well and everything's, um, you know, great. And, but one of the biggest things to actually, uh, minimize the symptoms getting worse is to work out. And one of the biggest influencers of his behavior is me, (laughs) your wife, your spouse, or the people that are around you or your immediate good friends. If they work out, you're much more likely to work out. And I knew that, um, well, number one, you know, a disease like that definitely puts things in perspective. Let's just say that. Um, but also the fact that what I do really impacts other people and my kids too. I think that really swayed my focus and putting myself first because I have to take care of my family. And when my husband's health, knock on wood, will not go down too much, but um, chances are it will. And I'm going to need to be there to support these young kids. And if I don't, 
then they have, you know, no one or they have they have a backup system, but you know, I'm their most important person, um, caregiver, and I need to be 100% effective and have 100% energy in, in everything I do. And hearing her talk about that made me think again about single parents and how challenging it can be to do anything for yourself when everything is on you. And maybe that much more important, you know, because you are the foundation for your family. And if your health falls apart, you know, if you start suffering from a chronic disease or, you know, start feeling really bad, um, then you're not able to hold it together. And holding it together requires self-care. In a minute, we meet someone who discovered that firsthand. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You first met Teresa Thames a few episodes ago in the show I did about being overweight at work. Teresa is a theologian, a longtime pastor, and now Associate Dean of Religious Life and the Chapel at Princeton University. Teresa grew up in the South, in Mississippi, and when she was a teenager, she was sexually abused. And the way she dealt with that trauma wasn't through talking about it to anyone, certainly not to a therapist. What I had was food, and that's what I turned to. She was an overweight teen and became an overweight adult. She says ideas about what's now called self-care barely existed among the women she knew. They looked after other people, not themselves. And she says there's a historic precedent for that. I grew up in public housing. My mom was a bus driver and my grandmother was a Head Start teacher. And, um, you know, working out was like a luxury. It's not anything that brown, black women did in my neighborhood. And also in Mississippi, it's not you drove everywhere, you didn't walk. So there was no examples of me of working out in self-care, even thinking about, um, you know, no one talked about therapy, no one talked about um, getting massages, like all those things felt self-indulgent, but also we couldn't afford them growing up. And self-care is not something that has ever been part of the narrative for African-American women in this country. When I think back to the history of black women um, from slavery, from 1619, when we came to this country, it was about labor. Our bodies were, are still products of labor. And whether we were having our own babies and even having our babies for the servitude of white bodies, we would have our babies and then have to serve as wet nurses to other people's babies. Even as I think about the black women who, black and brown women who clean houses for other people, they'd have to leave their children before dawn in the morning to go to greet other people's children with breakfast and love. In many ways, the adult Teresa did break away from the past. She took her traditionally male job, pastor, something she'd been told she'd never be able to do. As she said, therapy was not a thing growing up. 
But as a pastor in Washington, D.C., ministering to other people's emotional needs, Teresa got herself a therapist and saw that person every single week. She says every pastor should have one. So she was looking after herself in some ways, but she was still severely overweight, self-conscious about it, yet resistant to her parishioners' not-so-subtle hints that she should slim down. Then a lot of things happened at once. Her marriage failed, and her sister became ill and then died. She had a nine-year-old son, and Teresa decided to adopt him. I say when you adopt an older child, there are handprints already on them before you get them. And so um, he had gone through Hurricane Katrina where the family, our family had lost everything. So he knew that loss, this loss of your mother dying and moving literally a thousand miles away from your family to live with your aunt. So he knew me. We had a great relationship. I'm his you know, only maternal aunt. But it was hard. So I was dealing with a child that was in the midst of deep grief in a brand new situation. Um, Mississippi, Washington, D.C. is nothing like Mississippi. <laughs> and getting accustomed to a different way of parenting. I had, a, I had a different model of parenting than what he'd been used to. And we were starting all over. So she's trying to raise this grieving child on her own, grieving the loss of her sister herself, depressed and often binging. She had prayer. She had therapy but they weren't enough. At one point, she weighed 450 pounds. It was tough just to move around. In the midst of all this, she found out about the organization Girl Trek. Some of you may know about them. They get groups of black women walking in their neighborhoods all over the U.S. in honor of women like Harriet Tubman, who helped people escape slavery, and other black women who marched for civil rights in more recent decades. One of the founders asked Teresa to read an opening prayer at a local walk in D.C. She was happy to do the prayer, less happy to walk the walk. But... I didn't want to be a fraud. I didn't want to pray for this event and really believe in this organization and not myself make a commitment to, to walk and to take care of myself. And did you do the whole walk? I did. I did the whole walk, um... Yeah, (laughs) it was hard. Partly because people kept wanting to talk to her while she walked. They loved her prayer and were eager to discuss it. But Teresa says she was still about 400 pounds at this point and so unfit she could hardly breathe. So I didn't want to talk. I felt highly irritated, but also I'm in my official capacity, right? So I have to be nice and smile. But despite how difficult the walk was, despite the fangirls wanting to chat, that walk sparked something in her. She loved the Girl Trek mission and she wanted to continue. The organization encourages women to post selfies of themselves working out on social media, in part to combat all the negative images of black women that already exist on the internet. Teresa began to walk regularly, often in the dark, so people wouldn't watch her, stare at her body or shout rude comments. So the walking for me became therapeutic. It became therapeutic um, in that it was my space. I didn't go with anyone. I wasn't being a mom. I wasn't being a pastor. I wasn't listening to other people. It was my space. Um, I would listen to podcasts. I had playlists. And then um, I ended up joining the gym across the street from my office. And I sort of giggle because um, gym is not friendly space for plus-size bodies. Um, And so I joined the Jewish Community Center (laughs) um, with little old Jewish people. um, And I would go at a time when all of the hardcore gym bodies would be gone. And um, that became my place. That gym became my sanctuary. And so then I was able to, one, be on a treadmill 
and um, work on my speed and have this relationship of accountability where the front desk person would say hello and knew that I was there. Um, but there was no other conversation. And yeah, um, but I kept my 30-minute commitment of walking and I would wear my Girl Trek shirts to the gym and I would start taking selfies and tweeting them and um, my body changed. And with the change of my body also became the change of my eating habits and the change of my energy. And so it led to this domino effect that even now, working out, now that I'm at this weight, it's not about the weight. It's just about me taking care of myself. So when I walk, I'm praying. When I walk, I'm de-stressing. I'm checking in with myself. I'm taking inventory. It's now my stress thing. Like when I'm stressed, I'm walking. <laughs> I'm out and about. Thinking about all the weight she's lost, about 200 pounds, and how this aspect of self-care has changed her life, it makes her sad and angry for the African-American women who have gone before her. Like they're, they're not here because they gave so much of their bodies that they had nothing to give to themselves and they earned an early grave. And I, I feel that it's my role now to help change that and to be a different, a different example of living and not just living, but thriving. Several years on, she's doing well and her son is too. And when she landed this job at Princeton, he quickly decided an old East Coast college town was not for him. So he went back to Washington, D.C. and goes to school there during the week. He stays with his godparents. We have a crazy, beautiful family that his godparents are Jewish and Vietnamese. And um, I'm his African-American mom. And actually, the school called on Friday and it was like, is this the Vietnamese mom or the black mom? Um, and, you know, the three of us show up to PTA and back to school night. And it's, you know, the all three parents and... It's a great way of loving and being community. And she's keeping up with the walking, even the running. She tries to work out every day of the week. I think I told you I did the Brooklyn Half Marathon, which was a big step for me. And I'm going to do another half marathon and thinking about maybe training for a marathon. I do it all the time. I do walking meetings. I love it. One last thing I wanted to bring up with Lee Stringer was something one of my listeners raised in a Facebook post, the different ways men and women look at self-care. You mentioned your husband. This this brings me to men because um, somebody else pointed out nobody even calls it self-care for men. What do they call it? Relaxing? And she said women make it sound so intentional and exhausting. Yeah, I think they call it sitting on the couch watching the game or <laughs> something like that. We have in our family, we've, we've definitely called it out as, hey, I need some alone time or I need some, you know, chill out time. And that includes, you know, for the, my husband anyway, going to the baseball game with his buddies or having dinner with his uh, bunch of guys talking politics, which is, believe it or not, relaxing for him. <laughs> not for me. But uh, I think we've gotten good at carving out what it is that gives us pleasure and makes us happy. And maybe, you know, his having Parkinson's has kind of put a fine point on that. Like, well, if we've only got the next 10 years, um, you know, before this thing could turn into something that we really have no idea what it is, but maybe it will be ugly. Let's just take these next 10 and really enjoy them and make sure that we call out in our week things that are really important to us. And um, I've noticed that I've started hanging out more with my girlfriends. I really enjoy that. 
Finally, in that same vein of men and women sometimes approaching life a little differently. It's really funny. I, I was talking to um, some friends of ours, uh, the husband and the wife, were kind of going through a, a time that my husband and I went through very recently, which is like, uh, you know, we're in our upper 40s and we're feeling like we need a change in our career. It's just this kind of uh, not really feeling challenged in my work and so my husband and um, and the friend husband and, and another guy, um, basically their way of brainstorming about what's next involved Cuban cigars and scotch <laughs> and sitting around riffing. And, um, and the women, there were three women, uh, this other woman and another, and me basically sat in a room and we had sticky notes and post-its and we had an agenda. <laughs> The uh, the other wife who you know was like this is my career move and this is what I'm thinking about and here's my agenda and she had it all organized and she had snacks <laughs> it was really funny it's like wow this is you know we'd actually uh, moved to a, a specific office space and and use that for a while to make it really official I was like this is so man versus woman right here right right now you know but in both cases both of them came away feeling good and like they'd make progress so eh, I guess we'll call it a draw Lee Stringer. She's the author of The Green Workplace and The Healthy Workplace. Thanks to her and Teresa Thames for being my guests on this show. That's the broad experience for this time. Thanks to all of you who contributed to that original Facebook discussion that got me thinking about this episode in the first place. As usual, I'd love to hear from you. You can post on Facebook or you can find me on Twitter at Ashley Milne-Tite, without the hyphen, or you can email me via the website. Thanks to all of you who have supported the show with a donation. I really appreciate it. If you can't afford to give, write a quick review on iTunes instead. It all adds up. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.